Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. All right, we're rolling along. Greeny with you, presented by Progressive Insurance. The great Bob Costas live in about a half hour on the Goodyear hotline. I will not subject him to the ridiculousness that is this usual program, but we're now in a debate over, A, which is the best form of a potato, and B, whether or not French fries are the most popular food in the world. Now, the, the forms of potato that I'm hearing about are baked potato French fries, which come in multiple different forms, regular curly waffled steak wedged, potato chips, mashed potatoes, au gratin potatoes, hash brown potatoes, roasted potatoes. We won't even bring in sweet potatoes, which are an entirely different form of food. That sweet potato is actually not a potato. So I will make the contention that, A, a good – I like mashed potatoes, though I never allow myself to eat them – But, Bubba, I will fight to the death that French fries are the most popular food item in the world that no one doesn't like them. No way. We were talking back here. Pizza, hamburgers, cheeseburgers would be more popular. No way. There's zero chance. Pasta. There are people who – no. There are people – pasta, maybe, because pasta comes in a lot of different forms. But there are people who don't like hamburgers. There are people who don't like pizza. There are no people who don't like French fries. None. I'm not a big fry guy right now, I'll tell you. You see, you're just making that up. You're just saying that. I generally don't get fries. I'll eat them, but I don't. If I offered you French fries right now, you'd eat them. Correct. I'm I'm saying I don't. And so would everyone. But most people, if you offer someone pizza, what do you normally. There are tons of people who wouldn't eat pizza. What do you normally get? When you go to any restaurant, what are they going to always have? A cheeseburger. That's Any restaurant's always going to have that. No, that's not true at all. There are tons of restaurants that don't have a cheeseburger. The majority of restaurants are going to have that. (laughs) All the restaurants Bubba goes to, for sure. (laughs) I'm on your side, Bubs. Pizza is the most popular food in the world, and the research backs that up. I mean, it's absolutely not French fries. That's insane. I mean, you can argue whether it's... are the most universally loved food in the world. No. they, They have the lowest... Negative score. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think you have anyone on your side. You have no one in this room. I don't think Hembo's on your side. I, I can't imagine Brandon's on your side. I don't think you have anyone on your side here. Brandon, which side are you? Brandon's kind of on my side, although he threw bread into the conversation. And the minute you mentioned bread in this discussion, we're kind of done here. So one way or another, I, am abs- <laughs> I stand by this. French fries have the lowest negatives. The lowest negatives. Like... They may not be everyone's favorite food, but no one's turning them down. None. No one. Not a person. You go anywhere in the world, from 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 Milan to Minsk, and you are going to you're going to offer people a French fry, and they're going to eat it, and that's it. And they're going to turn down. You're going to find someone who turns down everything else. All right. Straight Talk Wireless is rolled out 5G coverage nationwide, and you can get a Samsung Galaxy A32 5G for only two hundred ninety nine dollars. No contract. All on America's best networks. Straight Talk Wireless, 5G-capable device required. Actual availability coverage and speed may vary. Meanwhile, green light light with Greeny. I'm going to give ESPN.com the green light because they did an absolutely fascinating exercise in which they asked a bunch of our best-known and most passionate baseball insiders, a group of people that included Jeff Passan and Jesse Rogers and several others, and asked them, if you were the commissioner of Major League Baseball, what is one big change you would make? Now, some of you who have been with me a long time will remember that we had a lengthy campaign, Greeny for commissioner. I, I wanted to be the commissioner of Major League Baseball. I still think I would have been great at that job. I think I would be great at it now. 
But let's look at some of the things they came up with. I picked four of their suggestions that I think are worthy of discussion on the program. And let's go around to the group and see what we think. So the first thing that comes along is shorten the season. The Major League Baseball regular season should be shortened by a month. Baseball hums along just fine as America's summer sport. The trade deadline provides energy and momentum at a time when it's needed. But not long after teams welcome their new players, the dog days of August are upon us. By the time the pennant races begin to heat up in September, the country has mostly moved on to football and even the start of other sports seasons. October arrives with more of a whimper these days. So the suggestion here is that for that reason, because their postseason, the most, what should be the most special and magical time of their sports season, gets swallowed up by football and other things, they should shorten the season by a month. Hembo, thumbs up, thumbs down. Thumbs down. A month is way too long. If you want to go back to 154 games, which they used to do, I'd be okay with it. I'd also be okay with shortening it by a week, maybe two, if you're willing to add more uh, meat to your postseason. But to lose a month of baseball is something that I could not stomach. Um, Jesse writes, for the crusty old school fan, and I think he's referring to you. Yeah, yeah that, was, that was a personal shot. cherishes baseball's numbers over 162 games. Consider that counting stats are out and percentages are in. An OPS based on 132 games will have the same meaning as it did based on 162. That's right, right? That's right, 100% right. So, I mean, you would not lose some of the numbers, or at least I mean, the magical numbers of your I, I, I have been lost anyway. Yeah. Here's what I would say. I would be willing to consider the shortening of the season, but that wouldn't be the reason I would do it. Mm. Like, I don't think you change the structure of your sport because you're worried about other sports stealing your thunder. You do it for what's best for your game. If I'm the commissioner, I'm doing it for what's best for my game. I believe the season is too long. It's just too many games. And I would shorten it, but only because I just think it's too many games. I I would be much more in favor, let's say this, of shortening it than I would be of moving it up. Like, you can't do it because of weather, but if you could play the same exact season but move it up so it ended at at the beginning of September or something rather than at the end of October, I wouldn't be in favor of that. I'd be in favor of shortening the season because the season is too long. So if 162 is not the right number for you, what is? I, I think something in the neighborhood of the low 140s I think would feel about right to me. I think you need an urgency. I, I think there has to be a greater urgency. You cannot have the sport. Everything has to feel more important. Like there just needs to be a little more intensity to all of it. And I think it is hurt by that. The NBA plays 82 games and they don't play with any urgency. Correct. So I don't know why. I have been sitting here and yelling and screaming and railing about that too. Sure. So 140 versus 162. To me, there's no obvious difference in that sense. I think there is a difference. Be, be, um, I think it would feel different. Hmm. I, I think it would feel different. One way or another, that was the first suggestion. Nuno, let me come to you on the second one. And this is, I didn't realize they had attached names to these. Bradford Doolittle writes, expand and realign the leagues by geography. Which is to say, no more American League and National League. Instead, start shifting teams so that you would have an Eastern League and a Western League. And as he writes it, each would have two eight-team divisions. Within each division, you'd have two four-team pods. Basically, you would set it up in such a way that you would have far less travel, far more geographic rivalry, and it would obviously be the ultimate ending of tradition. To, to do away with the American League and National League in its entirety would be as, 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 as monumental a change as I could ever imagine. 
Nuno, what do you think of it? I like the idea until I realized who's tuning in for a bunch of Orioles and Pirates series based upon this realignment type of thing. Well, I mean, if they were trying, then the people in Baltimore and Pittsburgh might. Uh, the, the, Orioles, <laughs> yeah. the Orioles right now should be relegated to double A because they're not good enough for triple A and they're not trying to be. But that you could certainly – the point is, in a larger sense, taking out the, what, what should be the occasional tanking that we see, generally speaking, are you in favor of realigning this? Like the NBA has had the East and the West forever. Football is more like basketball, where excuse me, like baseball, where you got the AFC and the NFC, and you, you spread it all out over the course of that. Would you rather see all of this, and which which might create more natural geographic rivalry and all of that? Nuno, thumbs up, thumbs down. Let's do it. Okay, he's going thumbs hmm. up. The next one is the big one. David Schoenfield suggests add a pitch clock. Hall of Fame owner Bill Veck in his autobiography wrote, "The game has become too slow." There would be nothing wrong with the now standard three-hour game if we were presenting two and a half hours of action. Bill Veck wrote that in 1962. (laughs) If that sounds familiar, it says here, Theo Epstein said earlier this year, we need to find a way to get more action into the game, get the ball and play more often, allow players to show their athleticism more and give fans more of what they want. The solution, it says here, is the pitch clock. It's used in the minors. The Olympics deployed one without runners on base. It works. We need it in the majors. Bubba, you watch every game of your favorite team in Major League Baseball. Does the sport need a pitch clock? I am in for the pitch clock. Let's in. do it. And 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 watch the what the reasoning for you is it would just make it more exciting. Like I think it would actually just make the sport better. You know, someone once told me the charm of baseball are all the things that happen in between the action. That's not the society we live in anymore, the culture we live in anymore. I, I'm not in favor necessarily of just changing things because of the, the somewhat um, fickle views of fans. Mm-hmm. But in this particular case, I think it is, it is just clear that in a sport, it, they just need to pick it up. There's, there's just no obvious reason. This is completely wasted time in the middle of a game. Baba, is that your thinking? Yeah, exactly. I think, to me, I am still... a a fan of the fact that there is not a general clock in the game and it could be a short game, a long game, whatever, and a long innings, whatever. That's kind of the beauty of the game. But in general, yes, the, just the batter to batter just needs to pick it up and get moving, and a pitch clock could really help that and I think just attract uh, more viewers. This is Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Small business protection just got easier with more than 30 coverage options available. Progressive, as you covered, more at ProgressiveCommercial.com. The next one was suggested by Jeff Passan. It's going to cause a little bit of a stir here, I would think. I will tell you what it was next, and then I will give you my number one idea, and then we'll bounce all of them off Bob Costas, who will join us live later in this hour. It's Greeny on ESPN Radio. Are you ready for some football? This is Keyshawn Johnson. I'm ready. Whoa, get ready, bam lamb, get ready to ride. The countdown to kickoff continues. 21 days. Put your hands up. Now stay. What a run by Cam Newton. The biggest season ever. Let's go. And it starts every morning with Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. And continues all day right here on ESPN Radio.
For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call ClickGranger.com or just stop by. Brainstorm. What is something that works so well that it's basically magic? Air conditioning? Noise-canceling headphones? Meeting-free Fridays? What about selling with Shopify? (coughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autographed apparel or selling sleek skis, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to all other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to shopify magic your ai powered all-star shopify powers 10 percent of all e-commerce in the u.s and shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, rothy's and brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries plus shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow grow with shopify sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com Go to Shopify.com slash Greeny now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Greeny. Greeny, the podcast. All right, this is Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Our guests on the Goodyear hotline, and some things have been low on our to-do list, but life insurance can no longer be one of them. If you're like me with a wife and kids, you need to protect them. You need SelectQuote. SelectQuote's been helping families for over 35 years. Get your free quote at SelectQuote.com, SelectQuote.com. Bob Costas live a little more than 10 minutes from now. Many people have suggested for years that he would have made a great commissioner of Major League Baseball. I myself ran for commissioner of baseball. At least I did so on the radio. And uh, for those of you just joining us, so ESPN.com did this really interesting exercise in which they asked several of our baseball writers to name an idea that they would implement if they were the commissioner of baseball. And so I've told you what some of them were. Jesse Rogers said shorten the season. Bradford Doolittle said expand and realign the leagues by geography. And uh, who was it that wrote? Uh, David Schoenfield suggested add a pitch clock. And then we get to what Jeff Passan suggested. Jeff Passan writes, bring in the robo-umps. The concept of the strike zone is simple. The stewards of the game identify a vertical space over the irregular pentagon that is home plate. If a pitcher throws a baseball in that space over the plate, it is a strike. Anything else is a ball. It sounds easy. It is not. It is not easy because the human eye is fallible and the human brain susceptible to bias. It is not easy because catchers have been taught to exploit these fallibilities and biases. It is not easy because umpires who get 95% of ball strike calls correct are considered the best of the best, and umpires who get 85% right remain employed. And every single day there are manifold examples of balls that are called strikes and strikes that are called balls. It is time to end this charade and transition to the era of the robot umpire. So says Jeff Passan. 
Hambo, what say you? I say absolutely not. That is an appalling idea. It's one that I understand. Like, there are a lot of people around the game of baseball that want it, but once you go down this road, you change baseball forever. You change baseball forever. And baseball's beauty is not in the black and white. It is not in the information. It is not in the objective. Baseball's beauty is in the nuance. It's in the interpretation. We watched the Field of Dreams game last week. You know what they didn't have? A K-zone. Do you know what it was? Awesome. I was just talking to my buddy who's uh, his like middle school age children. And the only thing they could talk about when they were watching the Field of Dreams game was, was that a ball or is that a strike? That's a good thing. That's what we want. We want the beauty. We want the nuance. We want the, the interpretation. That's the good part about baseball. Just because we can do it doesn't mean we should do it. Okay. That's an interesting take. And I'm, well, I'm torn. Bubba, I'll come to you. Robo Umps, yes or no? Um, I, I don't really have a good answer, and I, I just think I don't want them. I, I just, I just like the human element of it. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't have a exact reason why or a good enough argument for why. Um, I just, I just want the human element in it. Well, that's the kind of insightful analysis that I depend upon from you every single day here, Bubba. And I think all of us thank you for that. Oh God, that was painful. Let me go to Nuno. <laughs> I think we may have caught Bubba unawares. But he is running the board at the same time. I, mean, I, I know what we're talking about. I just, I, were you taking a call while this was going on? I, I want I, I want the humans. I, all right, I just, Bubba. You want me to say? All right, let's do this. Bubba, when you, I want humans. When you go shopping, do you use the automated cashiers or do you actually go to a cashier? Automated. Oh, and but yet he wants the human feeling <laughs> for his balls and strikes. What and kind all of that. comparison is I that? I mean, because that's taking jobs away, right? Like, what kind of comparison people? is this? Uh, Nuno, so I, I, do I sense from your well, that's attack? The most ridiculous comparison I've ever heard. Get it right. Give me some robo umps and call it a day. I'll say this. Who's to say they're going to get it right? I don't like the, the automated checkout at the grocery store. I do not like it. I, I, I am made very uncomfortable by that. I never know where to put anything. Like, you got to run the item through, and then you got to put it on a certain shelf. And if you don't, it doesn't seem to have registered. And then they want to know how many bags you used. But I haven't even taken the bags yet because I don't know how many I need. So you got to get the bags first, but I don't know where to put oh, the no, bags. Oh, no, no, no. See, that's the problem. You have to grab the gun when you come into the store, whoa, have whoa, your whoa. bags, and do what and gun just are you while you're sh- There's an electric gun, like, if you. <laughs> I go shopping at Stop and Shop. They have an electric gun. So an electric you can, gun? Yeah, so you can scan all your items and throw it in the bag. So by the time you get up to pay, all you're doing is hitting a little button, check out, scan it, and you're in and out. So that's you don't, genius. Yeah, so that's, so that's what you have to do. I like that idea. Can we get back to the strike zone? Yes, I, I automated. Gotta, I gotta Let's do you, it. I got to talk you into this. You have to be on my side here. This would change baseball forever. Catchers would pretty much not matter. And who's to say that, like Bubba said, the technology would be perfect. Like the technology often wait, falters wait, in wait, everything wait, wait, wait. we do. I, we have to analyze what you just said. Mm. Someone has to catch the ball. So to say catchers don't matter, you're telling me that the catcher's greatest contribution is in the framing of the pitch because That's right. the catcher is still calling pitches. Mm-hmm which is to say still very much involved in the strategy of which pitch is thrown when. That's right. And is still obviously catching the ball, throwing runners out, all the other things. So you're saying that the catchers would stop mattering because the most important responsibility a catcher has is to frame the pitch. Yes, and the numbers back that up. The numbers say that the, the most value that a catcher can add is stealing strikes. 
throwing runners out, especially in today's game, and calling pitches is much less, uh, much less significant in terms of added value than that. Are you just willing to completely eliminate that no. as a here's skill here's what I baseball? will say. I don't know that I'm ready for robo-umps, but here's what I am ready for. Mm. Call a freaking strike a strike. Like, one of the reasons the game is so slow now is that nothing is a strike. When I was a kid growing up, I, give me the rule in the rule book. I should have asked you for this before. I definitely agree with this. When I sure. was a kid growing up, the strike zone was from your armpits to your knees. Somewhere along the line, this became from, like, just above the belt buckle. Like, anything above the belly button now is high. And that is not what a strike, at least in my understanding of the sport, and I don't even mean this facetiously, my understanding of the sport was that's a strike. And the fact that a strike is not a strike is one of the reasons why this takes so freaking long. What does it say in the rule book? The official strike zone is the area over home plate from the midpoint between a batter's shoulders and the top of the uniform pants. When the batter is in his stance and prepared to swing at a pitched ball and a point just below the kneecap, in order to get a strike call, part of the ball must cross over the uh, part of home plate while in the aforementioned area. Wait, say it again. The top of the what? Uh, the from, shoulders? Yeah, the batter's shoulders and the top of the uniform pants when the batter uh, is in a stance and prepared to switch, swing at a pitched ball. So like when he's in his stance, right, he's in the stance, standing erect, and a point just below the kneecap. So kneecap to shoulders, like you said. To shoulders? Yeah. Is that a strike in baseball today? You no, watch more never. baseball than anyone I've never. ever seen. Well, that's my point. Never. So call a strike a strike. And if the robo-umps would do that, I'm in. Well, really. Because you're never going to convince the regular umps to do it because they have each one of them has their own strike zone and they're very particular about what it. What they're really saying is letters, like the, the letters. But even so, your point remains. No one has called a pitch at the letters in 50 years. That's what I'm saying. All right. And I got one more thing. When I ran, I ran on one platform. I ran for this job. I still think I would do very well in this job as the commissioner of baseball. And my rule would be all postseason weekend games. So every baseball postseason game that is played on a Saturday or a Sunday is played in the daylight. You play it in the afternoon so that young people can watch it. My kids grew up. I took them to Yankee Stadium all the time. They saw a million Yankee games, and they liked it. And you know what they never got to see? Mm. A postseason game. Because Stevie's six years old. And when they're saying now batting for the Yankees number two, Derek Jeter, he's been asleep for two hours. This game is going to be played in the afternoon from the wild card round to everything. If it's going to be played on a Saturday or a Sunday, we're going to play it in daylight. And kids are going to watch it. And a new generation of fans are going to watch the most important games of the season, not just the least important ones. We'll bounce all this and more off Costas when he joins us live next. After this from DoorDash. DoorDash here with Summer of Dash Pass. Right now, Dash Pass members are taking $10 off groceries, alcohol, pet food, and more. Need a nightcap? $10 off. Got a cough? Get relief delivered for less. Want to surprise your crush? Send a gift and save. Try Dash Pass for free and get special savings, exclusive menu items, and $0 delivery fees year-round. Get more from your neighborhood now with Dash Pass in the DoorDash app and stay cool out there. Terms and conditions apply. Bob Costas right after this on ESPN Radio. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute, but Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, 
Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from $25 and under to $100 and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists, like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature 8-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Greeny, the podcast. This is Greeny. We are presented by Progressive Insurance, and the great Bob Costas will join us momentarily on the Goodyear Hotline. I'll also mention, if you're not getting the new Samsung Galaxy Z Fold 3 5G or Z Flip 3 5G, you're doing it wrong. Pre-order now to get up to $200 in Samsung.com credit, valid through August 26th. While supplies last at select retailers, see additional terms and conditions at Samsung.com. A lot of interesting conversation to Dan as we wait for Bob to join us here we'll get into a bunch of baseball with him the quarterback stuff continues to be the biggest stories in the National Football League and there are interesting decisions one of which will I think start sorting itself out tonight you know Mac Jones and Cam Newton will both play as the Eagles and Patriots go head-to-head in a preseason game tonight and I'm very interested to see the way this thing in New England goes I think that is the most true competition of any of the five rookies, which is to say, I don't think Trevor Lawrence is in a competition with Gardner Minshew, regardless of what Urban Meyer is saying. The Jets aren't even pretending that Zach Wilson is in a competition. Trey Lance is not only in a quarterback competition with Jimmy Garoppolo, I think he has almost no chance to win it before the season begins. Um, And Justin Fields, I I think he has already demonstrated how spectacular he is, but I don't think that the inclination is there in Chicago to go to him. This one, I think, is genuinely wide open, and maybe tonight we start getting answers to what it turns out to be. Okay, with that said, I am delighted to welcome our next guest back to the program. He has a brand-new show, Back on the Record with Bob Costas, once a month on HBO and HBO Max. He is, in my view, the best ever to do it. Bob Costas is back with us on ESPN Radio. Good morning, Bob. Hey, Greeny. How are you? I'm well, and I have so many things to bounce off of you uh, that I look forward to do it. But let's start with the show here. For those of us who have been your fans Mm -hmm. all of our lives, what can we expect to see here as you are now back on the record? Well, as I've said, the mere title tells you we're not trying to reinvent anything. It's back on the record. Uh, (laughs) The show I had on HBO for seven or eight years uh, in the early 2000s was called Back on the Record. This is slightly different, but it's the same idea. Uh, In-depth interviews, some of them with a journalistic slant, but others just to be entertaining, and some are a combination, like with 
Charles Barkley and one we just taped today with Peyton Manning. Most of the time, we're live to tape. The entire show we did the first time was in the studio the day that it aired. But the only chance we had to get Peyton because he was in the vicinity was today. So I just finished with him. And as you might imagine, there's topical stuff, but he's Peyton Manning. So he's so damn entertaining. Uh, that we just let him go, and that'll that'll be part of it. So it, it has commentary. There are panel discussions. Uh, there will be big names from sports, but also people from journalism and other walks of life that have a take on things. And as you may remember, Greeny, through the years, I've always brought in non-sports people who love sports if they have something to say about it. Um, comedians, actors, people like that. So we hope that over time, the show has a certain texture to it. It's not any one thing as long as all the notes we hit on the scale are decent notes. It can be all things to all sports fans, which is the way I have tried to describe a number of things I've attempted to do over the years. Back on the record with Bob Costas again monthly on HBO and HBO Max. And we will all certainly be watching as this thing continues to build momentum. And I'm looking forward to Peyton, who I agree with you, is extraordinarily entertaining and extraordinarily smart. And uh, he was in the new. Oh, because he just got into the Hall of Fame. We were talking about him, and yeah. I was wondering what, what what might his next act be. He's he's dipping his toe into broadcasting with us, but not sort of throwing in, um, you know, fully as he could the way someone like Tony Romo has. People have speculated about a future for him in sports ownership, in show business, in politics. Do you get mm-hmm. into that with him about what what his big picture next mountain to climb is? Yeah, right off the bat, and you'll see it a week from Friday, Mm -hmm. uh, right after Bill Maher on HBO. And, of course, everything on HBO repeats many times, uh, and then you have HBO Max on top of it. So chance to catch it if people are interested. And I asked him about that because people started talking about him as a possible commissioner because of how stirring his Hall of Fame speech was. Mm -hmm. It was entertaining, but as is usually the case with Peyton, there's entertainment and there's also some substance, and he talks about his concerns about the future of game. But – Um, you'll see that he doesn't really embrace the idea of being commissioner, ownership of a team, front office position. That might be more possible. I actually did not ask him about politics, uh, although I would guess that the answer has to be this. Anyone advising Peyton Manning would say, you are as close to universally popular Hmm. as any public figure could be. Into politics and the way things are divided now, Half the people will detest you because now we're in a situation, Greedy, and you know this. It isn't enough to say, I respectfully disagree. If someone holds a different position than you, then you demonize them. They can't just be wrong or you can't just respectfully differ. There must be something wrong with them as a person. So why would Peyton Manning want to dip his toe into those polluted waters? Mm -hmm. I'm with you. The word respectfully almost feels like an oxymoron in that context. Yeah. Um, All right. The great Bob Costas. So let me bounce a couple of things off you, because speaking of commissioners, as you are obviously well aware, there are many people out there who have long believed you would have been a great commissioner for Major League Baseball. So I've got a couple of things to bounce off you with regards Mm -hmm. to that. But let's start with Shohei Otani, who last night hit his 40th home run. He is at the same time in the same season the best power hitter in Major League Baseball, and a truly dominant starting pitcher. There is almost no precedent for this in Major League Baseball, which leads me to ask the question, is it possible we are seeing the greatest individual season anyone has ever had? What do you think? I saw you talking about this earlier with Jeff Passan today. Certainly it's part of the discussion. A little bit of it is apples and oranges, not just because of the difference in eras between this and Babe Ruth, but you could say that 
Ted Williams hitting 406 or some of the seasons that Ruth had or triple crown seasons that Mantle had in the 50s or Barry Bonds with or without steroids at his peak. Um, You could say that some of those seasons were greater seasons. There have been greater pitching seasons than this, greater hitting seasons than this. But this is unique in that nobody has ever done these things simultaneously to anything like this level in the same season. So I don't know if it's the best season ever, but it stands alone for its uniqueness, obviously. Yeah, and and, and I, correct. And so the nuance of the difference between those two things is what is frustrating me because I can't get anyone onto my side that it is actually the greatest for all the reasons you just laid out because it's something that no one has ever done before because they can't. He's doing something mm-hmm. that no one else could do because they can't, not because they haven't tried, but because they literally can't. This is like Sammy. Can't. It's like Sammy Ball in the '30s, Bob, who was at the same time the best quarterback, the best defensive back, and the best punter in professional football. But that was a sport that at time at the time was like ten years old. This is a sport right. that's two hundred years old, and this guy's doing something other people can't because they literally can't. Yeah, that's a good historical reference about Bob. But the caveat, as you say is that the sport, relatively speaking, was in its infancy. It was still developing. Here, we have a sport that has a long history uh, and techniques have, have been refined. You have all kinds of comparisons, historical, that you can draw. And he still stands alone for the uniqueness of what he's doing. I think it's the most amazing thing at minimum that I've ever seen. Bob with me here on the Goodyear Hotline, helping you discover the road ahead, Goodyear more driven. I wanted to bounce off you a fascinating exercise that ESPN.com did. They they gathered up several of our baseball writers, and they said, if you were commissioner for a day, what would you do? What's one thing you would like to see in the sport? And so I will just bounce off you the ones I found most interesting. Jesse Rogers suggested shortening the season, not just a little, but by a full month um, very interestingly, Bradford Doolittle suggested doing away with the American and National Leagues and realigning the leagues by geography, having an Eastern and Western League, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, the always popular adding of a pitch clock is one of the suggestions. And then Jeff Passan, whose opinion I think everyone values, is actually on the side of the robo umpires, which many, including my main man Hembo over here, vociferously disagrees with. Of those, w- what are your thoughts as as one who... Again, I think more people have probably suggested you would be a good commissioner than literally anybody else. Yeah, well, first of all, even going back 20 years, I was flattered by that, but I never encouraged it. I always said, hey, I'm not geared toward it by personality, all the backroom dealing and willing willing and dealing, and not really an economist or a businessman. So that was very nice, but I never thought of myself as really a legitimate candidate for it. I think pace of play is very, very important, and everybody recognizes that. To have Theo Epstein now in the commissioner's office, in effect, trying to figure out ways to rein in the monster he, in part, helped create, and that's not a criticism. He was brilliant. He belongs in the Hall of Fame if he never does another thing in baseball, but some of these approaches, some of these analytic approaches may be good for gaining the competitive edge, but they're bad for baseball as an entertainment product. And I think that, first and foremost, you're talking about the business of baseball, that's the most important thing realigning and doing away with the American and National Leagues would be a severe jolt to many of us. But the truth is we're partly down that road already with so much interleague play, which is why apart from the home run derby and the occasional moment, the all-star game doesn't mean anything like what it once meant. Plus player movement takes away the idea that a great player is an American league guy. Mm -hmm. And another guy is always a national league guy. Mm -hmm. 
So instead of having a subway series now and then or an I-70 series in Missouri, you'd have the Yankees and Mets playing all the time. You'd have the Cubs and the White Sox playing all the time. There's something to be said for that. I think there's also something to be said for shortening the season, maybe not by a month, but cut it down back to 156 or the old 154 to allow for what's inevitable, which is expanded playoffs. And depending upon how much time you have, the question here is not whether they should expand the playoffs. It's how thoughtfully do they do it? Mm. In the past, baseball has made some changes and then scoffed at anyone who had an objection by saying, oh, you're a get off my lawn guy. You're a traditionalist. You want everybody to come to the ballpark on a streetcar wearing a straw hat and ladies get in for a quarter on Ladies Day. So you couldn't even have an intelligent conversation. The question isn't whether the game should change. It has changed over time and it should change thoughtfully going forward. The question is how. So interesting and so right and something that I would love to dive into at some point when we can. And obviously on your new show back on HBO, you will be um, able to dive into those at greater length. But there is one more thing I wanted to do while I have you. Mm -hmm. I had Dan Deardorff on the show last week. Oh, I love Dan. He told me something I didn't know, which is that Mm -hmm. when he retired from football and went into broadcasting, that he was working at KMOX and that Mm -hmm. Jack Buck and Bob Costas and Dan Deardorff were a team, and this was a little bit of Dan talking about his great affection and other thoughts on you. Bob has been known to be late periodically, Mm -hmm. and uh, (laughs) sometimes he has trouble telling time. And uh, he missed the first half of a game uh, because he chose to take a later flight. It got fogged in. He was sure that he was going to be fired when he got back to St. Louis, and he's sitting in the locker room, and Marvin Barnes comes up and sits next to him. He goes, Bobby, what's wrong, Bobby? You look so upset. And Bob goes, I know I'm going to be fired when I get back to St. Louis. And Marvin Barnes goes, Marvin Barnes goes, oh, Bobby, that's okay. You know, I've got six Rolls Royces, and I've been looking for a little guy like you to drive them around. <laughs> Would you do that? So that was Deardorff on the show here last week, Bob, who then went on to profess how much he loves you and how close a friend you remain. But it was extremely, and and there were many more great stories like those, and I wanted to give you the opportunity for equal time. Dan is a great guy. And, of course, he had a terrific career in network broadcasting. Mm -hmm. But really, when you have the freedom of radio, people in St. Louis know how terrific he was, not just on sports, no matter what you could throw his way. He was a great speaker at banquets or an MC of banquets. He had a wonderful sense of humor. Uh, One of my favorite people in sports and one of the favorite people that that I've ever worked with. And that story is almost, almost exactly correct. I didn't miss the first half. I missed like part of the first quarter because I took a, a later flight. It was only to Memphis, a 45-minute flight from St. Louis. But we got fogged in, and I was a rookie, and I didn't take everything into account. And when I got back, Jack Buck, Rushmore man of St. Louis, he looked at me and said, I've been doing this for 30 years, kid. I've never been late for anything. Mm. And that's all he said. And then he turned his glance away, and that was all it took, completely chilling. I'm now on – Jack Buck's bleep list, and I want to get off of it. (laughs) (laughs) And so how did that turn out? It turned out great. It turned out great. I mean, KMOX was a wonderful – you can't call it a training ground. It was in and of itself a a destination. It was a mecca of broadcasting and especially of sports broadcasting. And to be around Dan and to be around Jack Buck 
and Dan Kelly, who was in his era, the Doc Emmerich when it came to calling hockey games. And a guy you might not be familiar with, but Bob Starr was one of the best football announcers on the radio I have ever heard. And he did the football Cardinals when they were in St. Louis and Missouri games. You were around people who were so good at their craft that you learned by osmosis. And you also picked up your own pace just to be just to belong on the roster, let alone to be one of the stars, to belong on that roster, you had to get better quick. And I was 22 years old, and I looked like I was 11. So, <laughs> and I was sort of overwhelmed by the whole thing. <laughs> that, I, I, that is a sitcom. Like, there's a TV show in this somewhere, and, and a young Bob Costas who left school early, again, the legend of our business, left school early mm-hmm. because he got, he got a job in St. Louis doing the, Saint, the spirit of St. Louis basketball games before he even graduated from Syracuse. The show is called Back on the Record with Bob Costas. It is on HBO and HBO Max. Peyton Manning coming up among the many guests, Charles Barkley and more. It is always a pleasure to catch up, Bob. Thank you so much. I look forward to seeing the new show as regularly, absolutely regularly, and we will talk again soon. Thank you. Thanks, Greeny. Take care. All right, you too. That's Bob Costas. Again, just out of an interview with Peyton Manning. And I've, I've said many times, that when he comes on television, my kids, at first, very sincerely and now jokingly, will say, Dad, there's your idol. Because uh, I, the number of times I've said, Bob Costas is my idol. Um, it was once written, someone did a profile on me, and they quoted someone who was trying to be nasty about me as saying that, that, that Mike Greenberg, he's a poor man's Bob Costas. And my response was, that's the best compliment I've ever been paid in my life. I wanted to <laughs> cut it out and put it on the wall. I'm an anything man's Bob Costas. I mean, that's insane to me. So he's the best. Um, and it was a pleasure to have him. And it was a pleasure to have you along for the ride. I will say one more time. French fries are the most popular food in the world. No one doesn't like no them. No way. And no one will ever convince me I'm wrong. Have some today. And I'll see you tomorrow on ESPN Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio and see it with the video on ESPN+. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.